0: Thank you, if you would. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for um, uh, the fact that you did give your everything. Father, you sent your Son uh, the best gift that we could ever receive, the best gift that heaven had to offer. Father, to come to this earth, to take on human flesh, so that he might ultimately give his life so that we can be forgiven and be restored to relationship with you. Heavenly Father, God, we pray that as we go into the service today, Father, that you would just use your word to speak to our hearts. Father, God, give us courage, give us peace during this time of year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Good morning. Well, we will start off this morning. Um, I'll let you know some news that I just received. Uh, we just received word a few minutes ago uh, that Miss Leona McRae, who's been having a hard battle uh, this last week or so with um, being in and out of the hospital, uh, she just passed away at Oak Ridge um, a few minutes ago before church started. And if you knew Miss Leona, you know there's no, no doubt whatsoever uh, when she stepped out of this world, that she stepped into the presence of her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it is uh, it is a terrible loss for their family, and uh, it's a loss for our church, as she was kind of the matriarch of our church. You know, I, I hadn't been here, you know, maybe a couple weeks, and uh, she told me, she said, you know, Chip, it's my job to keep the preachers in line. Um, it wasn't six months that she'd give up, but uh, she uh, she tried, and you no, know, I, I love Miss Leona. And I'm sure many of you do, and um, it's, a, uh, it's a sad day for our church, but not sad um, as those who have no hope. Paul says, let's not grieve as those who have no hope, because we know for sure where she is today. What I'd like to do is, before we get started and go any further, how about we um, just take a few minutes and offer up a prayer um, for that family and for all those who uh, are going to be um, missing her during this time of loss. Uh, would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you this morning with heavy hearts. Um, God, Miss Leona was such a, a dear person to many of us, and we just, uh, God, just thank you for letting us share in her life uh, and in her ministry, and God, right now, we just want to come and um, and lift up the family to you, God, as they've um, suffered a, a loss, Father God, but we just know uh, that she is with you today, God, that. She lived a life uh, with no regrets, Father, that she was active in your service up until her last days, Father. And, and I pray uh, now that you would just give us and the family uh, special peace. God, help us to remember and to honor her legacy by the lives that we live and the way we conduct our business here at this church, Father God. And I pray uh, that you would just use this special time for our good and for your glory. And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we uh, we also uh, that's kind of uh, some sad news, but we also got some good news this morning. We've been taking up uh, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering this month, and uh, last week um, we uh, we had uh, a pretty good uh, a showing. We uh, we started going into last week where you know the trees kind of looking you know we're we're getting that way, but we're not quite there yet. Actually, I think one of these bulbs is supposed to be screwed in. We had five. Uh, lights lit up and um, we had taken up to that point last week about two thousand three dollars well last Sunday we took up over five thousand dollars last Sunday alone so that puts our total now at seven thousand one hundred and sixty eight dollars which is enough to light up 19 light bulbs that 19? I think so. Is that 19? I lost count. Mr. Ronnie knows I'm not a math major, so I'm not sure. We'll see. But we just got a little bit more to go. We're almost there. We got four more bulbs. And then the star light up till we reach our goal of $10,000. There is no doubt in my mind that we get there. See, some of y'all were giving me kind of the crazy eye last couple of weeks. Like, $10,000? No. Okay, preacher, we're going to get $10,000. No. See, I told you I got faith that this church uh, uh, is the church that gives generously. And I fully believe, you know, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, that if God lays something on your hearts, if God gives you a vision and a purpose and a goal, That if you'll be faithful to be obedient to him, he'll see you through. And I think this just goes to show that, you know. I mean, that $10,000 wasn't an abstract number. I prayed about it. I said, God, you know, what be a good number? You've got to lay that number on my heart, and I know that if we're obedient, then we'll get there. And so I'm excited um, that we're going to get there. I'd encourage you, this is the last Sunday, give. Give generously. The envelopes you have in front of you, um, are, there should be some still there. Uh, if not, you can kind of scurry around. But anything in those envelopes, when we take up the offering, will go to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and any uh, cash uh, in those envelopes with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, any checks in the plate um, that have Lottie Moon in the memo note, will also go so uh, you want to remember that as um, you give and i'm excited we're going to have a we're going to have a celebration next week right right it's kind of sad isn't it but you know what miss leona would want us to not be too sad in church she'd want us to be here and you know what she always said right so if i can feel bad at home i can feel bad in church right so how about this if you'd feel good sleeping in at home this morning you can feel good being awake at church can we say that Amen. How about saying a little excited this time? There we go. Amen. All right. All right. No, uh, it, it is. It, it's kind of. Um, I would say ironic, but there's nothing ironic about God. God has everything planned, everything, uh, purposed, everything works together in accordance to His will. And um, you know, we uh, today. You know, I mean, who knew this was going to happen with Miss Leona, but we've lost a significant part of our past. Um, But we're getting ready uh, today to share you how we believe God's leading us into a significant part of our future. And what I'd like to do this morning is just take a few minutes, and we're going to look at a passage in God's Word, and we're going to talk about um, just uh, what I believe God's leading us. As a church, it's something that we've talked about for a few months now. We've talked about it um, uh, in several deacons' meetings, and we just kind of have a, a piece about this and, a, and a, a direction that God is leading us. So I want to ask you to do is open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share with you a passage that God has used in my heart and in my life and spoke to me, and, and then I want to take the last few minutes and really share with you... Um, the direction that uh, I feel like um, God is leading us and some doors that he's uh, opened for us. It's kind of, I don't know, it's... I'm telling you, there's something about this day that's building up. You know, uh, as um, I've taught people, you know, they said, "Chip, we ain't gonna have a hundred people here this morning, right?" And so, you know, I mean, it's the day after Christmas. Everybody's tired. We're a young church, bunch of kids. All the kids are just passed out from a sugar coma, and you know, we're you know, we're we're getting we're gonna take a couple of days, get back in our group. Uh, January is typically our big month as a church where we have you know most attendance and most people in Sunday school. January is kind of our big month. So this Sunday's kind of that transition day. You and, and, and so, you know, I, I really think that, you know, this is a good time for us to talk. And, and I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you real quick? I don't get nervous a whole lot anymore Uh, When I preach, and you say that, I said, Chip, you should get nervous every time. Well, listen to what I'm saying. Not that, you know, I I don't get nervous uh, about making sure that I faithfully deliver uh, the Word of God, faithfully explain it, but, you know, there is some fear and trembling with that. What I'm saying is, is, you know, you guys don't make me nervous anymore. I, you know, I feel at home here. I, I don't get nervous talking in front of you. Today, I'm a little bit nervous. Because when I drop the bombshell, some of you might get up and just walk out, okay? So, you know, I'm just thinking, no, I don't think it'll be that bad. But this is some big news. Uh, But before we get there, let me share with you just kind of something that God has used uh, in my heart through this process. In Joshua chapter 5, Um, You remember that Joshua has taken kind of command uh, of the nation of Israel as they have left Egypt and they're moving uh, into the promised land. Moses had passed that command down to Joshua. And if you remember in Joshua chapter 1-2, we talked about um, several years ago as we started this building campaign uh, about how Israel stepped out on faith and, and crossed the Jordan River. Do you remember that? Remember we talked about that, about crossing your Jordan and saying no as a church. We're going to sit back. Are we going to sit back and window shop about all the things that God has to offer us? Or are we going to step out on faith, say, God, if you'll open the doors, we'll walk through them. Put your foot in the river and watch God part it so that you can walk across on dry ground. Do you remember that? I remember that. If I look back, I think that's one of the most significant messages I've preached since I've been at airlines. As we talked about crossing our Jordan, and God has used that in my heart. So as I'm these last few months, I'm looking back. I've been doing a lot of reading in the Old Testament in my personal time, and and we come here to Joshua again. And in Joshua chapter four, the Israelites are kind of getting over the big. Move across the Jordan, you know, because that was a big deal, right? They just crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. Big deal. They set up a memorial there in chapter four uh, so that the na- the descendants of those people, the generations that would come behind them, can see uh, this pile of rocks. And they say, okay, what's that there for? They say, oh, this is where God parted the Jordan River. God stopped the flow of the Jordan River so that we could walk across on dry ground. And it was really a monument to their victory of faith. And I think we can identify with that as a church because this building, you know, it's a beautiful building. It's a great building. Uh, but in itself, it's nothing to pat our pat ourselves on the back with, to me what this building is, it's a monument to the fact that we were obedient to God, that we stepped out on faith and said, okay, God, we'll follow through, and you show us what to do, and we'll do it, you open the doors, we'll walk through them. That's what I think this building is, not, you know, I mean, this building is not a goal. Can anybody agree with that this morning? This building's not the end that we're trying to achieve. This building's a tool, and, and at most, this building's a monument to what God will accomplish through us when we trust him fully. And so that's what the Israelites did in chapter 4. And in chapter 5, they come to a very difficult passage of Scripture if you're a man. Because what happens is after they cross the Jordan River, before they get ready to go and start con- taking a, a conquest of the land, conquering these cities, God says, okay, before you go any further, all your guys need to be circumcised. That's a big deal, (laughs) right? This generation who's been walking around the wilderness, you know, who's been born while you've been in, in the desert, you know, They've never been circumcised. They need to be circumcised before you go on. you got to understand that circumcision was more than just a surgery. It was a symbol of covenant faithfulness between God and his people. Um, it was a way that the nation of Israel identified with God. It was a way um, that they showed that they uh, had that special relationship with him. Um, and so it was more than just this surgery. It was, you know, a symbol. And so God said, you know, let let these, pe- these men be circumcised. And it says in Joshua chapter 5, we're not going to read it though, it says that, you know, so that the reproach of Egypt will be rolled off of them. And, and so they take that time, the men are circumcised, and obviously it took them a few days to heal. And, and so during that time, Joshua's kind of doing some reflecting. And, and he's doing some reflecting about what's to come, about what just happened. And in Joshua chapter 5, we kind of get a picture of um, a private encounter between Joshua and the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. And even though it doesn't come out and say it's Jesus in this, in this passage, um, a little bit of study will show you that this was a, a pre-incarnate um, appearance of the Lord Jesus. And, and if you've got your Bibles, verse 13, why don't you start reading with me there. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, the man, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to the servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals. From your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is a big time encounter in the book of Joshua. It's after the nation has crossed the Jordan, before they've conquered Jericho. The, the new generation of servants, of warriors, of leaders have just been circumcised and set apart for the work of God. It's really symbolic of the new generation of leadership rising up to take responsibility. Can anybody identify with that in the life of our church today? Right, We've got a bunch of young people in our church who are reaching the point in their lives and in their ministry where they have to start rising up and bearing some responsibility in ministry, taking over that next generation and moving forward. And I think that's where we're at. And as that's happening, Joshua's walking around, he reflects, and he comes up on this man. This, uh, you can imagine a huge warrior dressed for battle with his sword drawn. And you can see that's Haddon saying amen, by the way, just in case you were wondering. And you can imagine, you know, Joshua must have been a pretty bad dude himself, right? You know, actually, you know, I think Joshua must have been short. Because to me, this just screams of little man syndrome right here. When Joshua says, hey, are you on my side or theirs, right? Drawing a line in the sand. and, And there's this dude that's sword drawn and says, are you on my side or are you for me or are you against me? And it says, the captain of the Lord's host said, neither. Neither. Now you think about that. That can be a very discouraging answer to ask God, right? Have you ever asked God that? Say, God, are you in this with me or am I in this by myself, God? Are you on my team? And God says, no. That's a bad answer to get, isn't it? That's exactly what Joshua got. Joshua says, are you for us or are you for them? And God says, neither. That's a tough answer. But I think Joshua understood what he was saying. Because look at this. He says, neither rather indeed I come now as captain of the host of the Lord. He says that when that answer came, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down. And by the way, this is one of the reasons that we know that this was not an angel. Because when men would fall to worship angels, they would say, get up. Here the captain of the Lord's host says, no, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. So that's the way we know this is Jesus. Joshua falls on his face. And he says, what does my Lord have to say? What do I have to do? What does the Lord have to say to a servant? Joshua got it. Said, not are you on my side or their side. Said, but who's on your side? And you know, that's a question that I really struggled with for a little bit. And I want to tell you why. Because... And this, you know, if you're visiting with us today, I'll just go ahead and throw a disclaimer out there. This isn't, you know, one of our typical sermons. This isn't, you know, how we normally do things. I just want to take a few minutes and share with you how God used this passage in my heart. See, what's happened is, is, you know, as pastor, there's a lot of things that I'm responsible for, you know, making visits, going to see hospitals, making sure the doors are open, lights are on, have paper for the coffee machines, you know, just kind of keep things running at the church, you know. And, and I stay busy doing some of that stuff. I don't do a good job at it, but I stay busy doing it. Does that make, can I get amen, to Sylvia? <laughs> uh, oh, me, yeah. You know, but that's kind of what I do, and that's what keeps me busy. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it gets real distracting because... That's not, even though that's what keeps me busy, even though that's the necessity of the beast in order to keep things running smoothly, it's not what I'm called to. You know, as pastor, I'm called to do two things. I'm called to proclaim God's Word and explain it, and then I'm called to to lead you as a church where God wants you to go. And that is a big burden to bear sometimes, right? Because not only do I have to give an account for... My obedience to the Lord's direction in my life. I have to give account for your obedience to the Lord's direction as this church. And I start thinking about things and... You know, sometimes, you know, uh, you read books and you say, okay, this is the next big thing in church. This is what they're doing to have a lot of people in Sunday school here. And this is what they're doing to see a lot of people get saved here. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And so often I find myself in my office on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning and I'm sitting there saying, okay, God, this sounds like a good idea to me. What do you think? And that might seem harmless up front. But can I tell you, that's a very dangerous place for me to be as a pastor because what I'm doing is I'm bringing my ideas to God and saying okay God what do you think is this going to work are you on my side and God says no Chip I'm not on your side what <laughs> are, are you sure no I'm, I'm not on your side well whose side are you on not on anybody's well if you're not on my side does that mean you're on alton's side no that's not what i say if you're not on my side does that mean that that you're on new hope side no chip it's not am I on your side are you on my side and there's a huge difference there don't you think it's not me saying okay god here's my great idea that i've come up with what do you think it's me saying god okay Where do you want us to go? And you say, Chip, I still don't see the big difference. Here's the big difference, okay? And let's get real practical with this. When I come to God and I say, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? I'm inherently limiting God to choosing A, B, or C, right? Does that make sense? Say, God, should I do A, should I do B, should I do C? And God says, no. Why not? Because you've never thought of D. Because you never asked me, right? And I find myself there as pastor, and it gets so... Frustrating sometimes because it seems like all the good ideas that you get, you know, they, they might never come to fruition. They might not work. You know, can I get an amen? Uh, New York is not the same as Mayo. What works in Mayo might not work in LA. Right? And so I find myself reading this and I'm like, dude, you've never pastored here. Right? These people are weird. As nice as I can say that. they You know? This is different. Somebody asked, at a, and I go to Pastor Train, they asked this question. They said, What year is it in your church? And what that's supposed to get you to think about, you know, am I, you know, relevant with the times? Right? If we walk in our church and it's like stepping through a time warp to go back to 1970, you know, then that's not a good thing. Since we're living in 2010, fixed to be 2011. But when they ask that question, said, "What year is it at your church?" You know, I said, "Ho ho ho! You're asking the wrong question. The first question we got to ask is, what year is it in Mayo?" <laughs> right? I mean, you cross that Lafayette County line, you just jump back in time ten years. It's weird. But I think that, you know, what it is is you have to understand the culture. And when you understand the culture, you understand this, that God has a unique design and plan and purpose for each individual church. And he equips some churches to do things that no other church can do. If we're all supposed to be doing the same thing in the same way at the same time, then we're all getting in each other's way. Right? Right? God has called us each to have a unique ministry as a church. And so I got to this place saying, okay God what do you want us to do? How can I get on your side? Don't don't ask that unless you're ready for an answer. Because I said that and I pray about that and God begins to bring some things up. And uh, Show me some things. Give me an answer to that. You know, and I'm not talking, you know, like God, you know, called me on the phone one day and said, Hey Chip, this is what I want you to do. God didn't, you know, I didn't turn on the TV one day and Billy Graham was there saying, Chip, here's your message from God. You know, I'm not saying this isn't this wasn't real like crazy, supernatural, like spooky kind of thing. This was just through studying God's word, through praying, through talking, you know, God just began to impress some things on my heart. And he did, and I'm like, whoa. God, that's that's not us. That's bigger than us. That's more than we can do. That's too much for this church to bear. And God says, you asked. As I prayed, God began to show to me a group of people that really needed a church. A group of people that needed to be ministered to. A group of people who needed to have missionaries sent to their community to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ in a relevant way. A group of people who, by and large, are, are, are very much unchurched. And God says, Chip, I want you, I want Airline to reach those people. Now, those people would have been in China. Let's do it missions trip those people would have been in Africa let's knock it out those people would have been in the Bahamas praise Jesus but what God showed me those people weren't in China they weren't in Africa they weren't in the Bahamas they were the next county over across the river in Branford say Chip, Branford Branford. God began to lay it on my heart that you drive here in Mayo and you see churches that are growing and things that are happening, a church in every corner and you drive to Brantford and I talk to people and minister to people and say, Chip, there's just there's not a church there that's really doing anything. There's not reaching anybody. Say, you know, Chip, there's not a church there who's seeing these young families come to Christ and get involved in church like you're seeing at Airline. Say, Chip, they're not there and God just began to lay on my heart and I'm like, whoa God, that's Branford. We're Mayo, that's Branford, we're Mayo, That's Branford God, do you see there's a problem? And God says, I don't see a problem. And so God began to lay on my heart and, and really burden me and, and I shared with the deacons um, before the summer. I said, you know guys, I just want to let you know that you know God's really laying this on my heart that we need to do something to really start reaching out. Um, to the people in Branford. And they said, okay, you know, that's something we can think about. And we just kind of left it on the back burner. But through a series of events and processes, God has opened up some doors so that a little over a month ago, we sat down on a weeknight as a group of deacons and we laid it out and said, guys, God is opening some doors and we need to decide if we're getting ready to walk through it or not. And so we have begun praying about and preparing for how we at Airline can launch an additional Sunday morning campus in Brantford. And what it would look like is at 8.30, we would hold church service in Brantford. At 9.30, both campuses would be having Sunday school. And at 10.30, we'd have our service here in Mayo. You say, Chip, that's weird. How's it work? Now's the time when I expect you to get up and walk out. Okay? Listen, all I can tell you is that God is laying this on my heart. And he's been burdened. I talked to our deacons and we prayed about it. And we met and we met and we met. And we said, if not us, who else is going to do it? There's a couple questions that got raised that I want to help you answer this morning. Number one, what about the churches that are already in Branford? Well, truth be told, there's... Not a whole lot going on in a lot of the churches in Branford. Some of the churches that have been traditionally strong, evangelistic, mission-minded churches ha- have kind of begun to fall off. There, there's a lot of stuff you know, that's just not being done, a lot of ministry that's not being done there. But the church that I'm most worried about is not the churches that aren't doing anything. It's the one church that is doing something. And I don't know if you've driven through Branford lately, but there's a really big Mormon church that's getting filled up really fast. And I don't know what you think about Mormons. You may think they're the nicest, most moral people on the face of the earth. But I want to tell you one thing and make it unequivocally clear that Mormons are a cult and those who follow the Mormon faith when they die will go to hell. And God says, Chip, there's something wrong with that picture. So if you want to ask me about what about the churches that are there, I'm going to tell you that's what I'm worried about, the churches that are there, (laughs) the church that's going. What would happen if... uh, the Mormons tried to come and build a church at downtown Mayo. Do you think there'd be a few churches that would step up to the plate and say not in our town? Shouldn't it tell us something that there was no church to step up and say that in Branford? Second question you might ask is the question that Leanne asked me, and I love my wife. She's, you know, I say this with, with every bit of honesty and sincerity. She's the pin to my balloon, right? I'm an only child, I tend to get a big head really fast, and she brings me back down to earth. So I'm rolling the same saying, I, I, this thing, i saying, Leanne, this is come together, this has come together. She asked this question. If they want to go to a good church so bad, why can't they just drive here? And that was a good question coming from a girl who drove 25 minutes to, from Eridu, the metropolis that it is, uh, to First Baptist Perry every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every time in between. So that's a good question. <laughs> But the way I would answer is this. Number one, we've said this time and time again, not God never commanded the lost to come to church. He commanded the church to go to the lost. And that cannot be any more clearly practiced instead of us begging them to come here instead of us going to them. I right, mean, that, that's just... Let's, if, or we're going to practice what we preach. Number two... The difference in them driving from erie to Perry is that erie Do is an outlying community of the greater community of Perry in Taylor County, whereas Brantford and Mayo were two separate, distinct communities with cultures and people. It'd be like you saying, why don't you drive to Brantford to go to church? Well, because their, their kids there, you know, their, their kids don't play sports with my kids, you know, their parents don't work with my parents. Well, that's what I say. If we need a church in our community in Mayo, they need a church in their community in Brantford. And the big question that I got asked, maybe a lot of you are asking right now. How does that affect us here? Chip, I'm all for reaching as many people as possible as long as it doesn't hinder what we're doing at our church. Can I tell you the truth? If we're so worried about us losing our comfort level at this church that we refuse to reach out to those in need. Then, we're in a war, then we are not in the state we need to be to do this. Because it's not about how comfortable things are, are here. It's about the fact that there are people who are unchurched, who don't know Jesus, who are going to die and go to hell, and who are being rapidly approached by a cult of all cults. And we'll sit back and watch it happen because we're afraid of how it will affect us. God laid this on my heart in a big way. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm nervous telling you this because I know you're thinking the things that I were thinking. This is too big. This is too much. We can't do it. And God kept coming back again and again and again saying, If not us, who? 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 Who's going to answer the call? Who's going to go for me? God said in Isaiah chapter 6, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I, like Isaiah, want to stand up and say, God, here we are. Send us. We'll go. We'll do it, no matter the cost. So here's where we are. We're making every plan and every preparation we can to open up a campus in Branford. But the bottom line is, It's just like the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. God's got to open the door before you can walk through it. So here's what we're saying. It's my vision, my goal, my passion for us as a church to do everything we can, wait for God to open the door, walk through it, repeat the process. What that looks like is this. Number one, we need to start gathering a core group of people from Brantford to come attend here at Airline Baptist Church in Mayo so that they can absorb our culture and so they can learn what makes Airline Airline. We can do a lot of that. We can go visit. We can host backyard Bible clubs. We can invite the people we know. But bottom line is God has to open the door. You can't force them to be here. That's door number one. Door number two. As from that core group, we need leaders to rise from that group who know the culture, who know the people of Branford, who are willing to lead music, teach Sunday school, and run children's church. Now, we, we're going to do our best. We're going to work. Once we get those people, we're going to train them. We're going to invest in them. We're going to let them shadow the workers that we have here. But bottom line, we can't manufacture it. God's got to produce it. Once he opens it, we'll walk through it. That's door number two. Door number three is finally, once we get to that place, which will be no earlier in a six to nine month training process we'll need God to secure his facilities we can do our part, we can look, we can pray we can ask The bottom line is if God doesn't provide it it's not going to be there that's door number three, if he opens it we'll walk through it so that's kind of where we are today this is the vision, the direction that God's given me to carry this church and, and um, there's a lot of doors that need to be opened But what I want to know is not are the doors open. It's just are we willing to walk through them if they are. Right? Because it might never come to fruition. I'd love to stand up here this morning and tell you that what I'm telling you is absolutely infallibly true. But I can't. I can tell you to the best of my knowledge with the most pure and sincere motives that I have. I believe this is where God's leading us. But just like you, I can be wrong. So what I'm not asking is us to write a check or or, or vote on anything. What I'm asking is will you be obedient with me and walking as far as we can, waiting for God to open the door, and then together we'll go to the next one. I believe God will bless that. But I want to show you one more thing from this passage. God tells, Jesus tells Joshua, says, Remove your sandals, verse 15, from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, you know the rest of the story. Joshua left here, and they did what some people thought was impossible, unthinkable, and foolish, which is much what, might be what some of you are thinking, what I said right now, right? But they marched around the city, they blew some horns, they yelled real loud, and guess what happened? The walls came tumbling down, right? But before that, before the battle and before the victory, Jesus told Joshua, spend some time. And get your heart right first. So said, take off your shoes. And he did so. Next month, we are going to sit aside the whole month of January for us to regain our focus as a church. Because I've talked with several people. I talked with one uh, person this morning who told me the same thing that I've been praying for six months. She says, Chip, I just think that we're so complacent. Amen. Chip, I think we just need to do something. That's what I'm saying. Right? You know that, you know, Nike's logo, just do it. Maybe our new logo needs to be just do something. <laughs> right? She said, Chip, we're just so complacent. We lead complacent lives. It brings us to church, and we're so complacent. And I think we're right. That's right. I think that's right. I think we just got so comfortable as a church. We got a beautiful building. We got a lot of kids. They just did a play. Everything's going so great. Why, why do anything? Ch- why rock the boat? Because you're either swimming or you're sinking. There's no two or no third option. We've got to go for it or we're falling back. It's just that simple. But what we're going to do next month is prepare ourselves for that. We're going to try and regain that focus, regain that fire. We're going to set aside the whole month to talk about refocusing and repenting. And we're going to have our revival in the middle of the month. And then we're going to end on renewing, on renewing our commitment to God and the ministry. And then on January 31st, which is a Monday, not a Sunday, January 31st, 6.30 p.m., we are going to gather together for a solemn assembly of prayer and of scripture reading and of devoting ourselves again to the work of the ministry. So what I want to ask you and what I want to challenge you this morning to do is that. Is to get ready to follow God in faith. And do so by, even right now, asking God to renew your heart, and give you a new focus. And then we're going to spend the whole month of January doing that together. I told um, I, I told uh, some people this morning. It's no secret that we had planned on going. There's no coincidence we had planned on going to the mountains this next week, and it wasn't to try and just get out of town. It's because I want to get refocused before we come back, so that you can get refocused. And I just ask, you know, it's it's just that simple. This morning. We need to start getting our heads on straight. Saying, God, I'm sorry that I've been lazy. God, I'm sorry I've been complacent. God, I'm sorry that I thought there were no more mountains to climb or battles to win. But this morning, I want to commit myself to doing whatever I can to follow you in faith. All I'm asking is this. You say, God... What do you want me to do? And when he tells you, have the faith to walk through it. We're going to ask our musicians to come forward, and we're going to have a time of invitation. The invitation is very simple. This morning, get your heads on straight. Get your hearts right. And get ready for what's coming. Would you bow with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for the direction that you're carrying this church. Father God, it's so... Bittersweet, this morning we have lost such a a dear connection to our past. But at the same time, you're giving us a new vision for the future. Father God, so I pray that you would help us to honor the past and and the steps of faith that they took to bring us to where we are today by going forward in the future and taking steps of faith on our own. Father God, I pray that if this vision, if this direction is not from you, God, that it would fall on its face. God, that it would not work. Because the last thing we want to do is step out on our own. But Father God, I stand this morning believing that this is from you. And I ask that you would just help me and the leadership of this church to pass that on to every member that makes it up. God, I pray you'd give them a passion, a drive, a desire For those who need to be reached. Those who need to be ministered to. Those who need to hear the good news of Christ. God don't let us get complacent. God keep us going forward. But before we do Father help us renew our focus on you. And I pray that you'd help us do that starting even this morning. God this morning the few that are here. Would fall on our face before you. And say God start in me and begin now. Father, I pray you'd move through the rest of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altars are open as we stand to sing. If God's spoken to you this morning, you come and respond to him.